Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to the 11th episode of Growth Marketing Today. Today I have Beneth. He's the former director of marketing at Turnstyle before it was acquired by Yelp and was rebranded to Yelp Wi-Fi. He's now the, a digital marketing manager at Marcodia. In this episode, you'll learn some really cool things. There's three things you'll learn. First, you learn the processes and frameworks that Bennett applied to Turnstyle to help contribute to its acquisition by Yelp. I think that's cool. You'll see what he did to get Turnstyle to stand out and Yelp check to acquire it. Second, you'll also learn uh, one growth campaign that really moved the needle for Turnstyle. Third, now Turnstyle was part of the 500 Startups Network. What kind of mentorship and programs did 500 Startups provide to Bennett that took his marketing and growth to the next level? Now, if you want the high-level outline and quotes from this episode, you can go to our website at growthmarketing.today forward slash 011. That's 11 episodes, so that's growthmarketing.today forward slash 011. Ready? Here's my chat with Bennett. Hey, Bennett, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks, Ramley. Thanks for having me. I know. I'm so excited to hear about your experience. Like I saw your LinkedIn profile. You have quite an interesting career progression and you really know growth and you know marketing. And particularly, I think you mentioned that you're really strong in B2B growth. Would you say that? Yep. That's where the majority of my experiences come from. Before we chat about your experience, maybe we can talk about your progression. Can you tell me a little bit how you got where you are right now? Like I know a lot of growth people are, have kind of a weird way of getting where they are. And like almost everybody's career progression is kind of weird, right? How did you get where you are from studying from university? Absolutely. So I would describe my journey as being more or less filled with a lot of quality experience and not necessarily a large quantity of experience. So, I mean, I've only really been a marketing professional for about five years, but it feels like it's been a long time. <laughs> it feels like it's been a lot longer but than that. Five years in marketing, tech marketing, it's like a lifetime, right? Yeah, it feels like it's been 10 years. And <laughs> I think working at a, at a startup at Turnstyle, you know, everyone that was part of that company and part of that team put in quite a few extra hours. So mm, I think okay. um, five years on paper, but in terms of the actual experience that I got in that short amount of time, there's been a lot of that. And so, I mean, that's really where things kicked off for me was when I joined Turnstile. And for me, it was an amazing opportunity for me to join the Turnstile team when they were, you know, in their really early stages. So I joined them when uh, it was pretty much just a few developers and the co-founders. And so when I joined the team, they were looking to build out the business side of things. So because I was in that really unique position and had that really unique opportunity, I wanted to make sure that I made the most of it and really got as much experience as I could while I had that opportunity. So what that meant for me was doing a lot of self-teaching. Mm, yeah reading things on the internet, reading blogs, and then also enrolling in some professional development courses. So in 2014, I took a communications course at the U of T. Nice. Following that in 2015, I took a course with Bitmaker Labs, cool. an ad optimization course. And that was taught by, at the time, one of Shopify's lead growth hackers, Demetrius Michael. 
Wow. And so here's a good teacher and a good mentor. And then following that, Turnstile was, we had an investment by 500 startups out of okay. San Francisco. Right. And so that was really cool because every company that they invest in, they also run a two-month program where they bring in the top growth marketers from around the world. Wow. A lot of them from San Francisco. Yeah. So they brought them into Toronto and they were of all different disciplines. So we had you know, uh, SEO experts, content experts, CRO experts, advertising. And it's not like we just went and sat and listened to some presentations. We actually got office hours and one-on-one time with them, which was really cool because now I got to actually bring my strategy and my plan to the table and say, any red flags here? What do you think about this? And right. I could get really good feedback from some really world-class experts. So that was kind of almost a turning point in my journey, in my short journey here. And within less than a year after that program, Turnstile was acquired by Yelp. Wow, that's so, huge. Yeah, very huge, incredibly exciting. I'm so proud of being able to be a part of that journey. Really proud of the founders there, Chris and Devin. And so that was an exciting time for us. I stuck around for the transition of when we transitioned from Turnstile into a new brand of Yelps called Yelp Wi-Fi. Right. And so that was also really exciting and, and kind of surreal because now we're part of this Huge. almost $3 billion company, <laughs> yeah. 4,000 people. And I went from working on a really small internal team to right. now having access to PR and communications team, design teams, mm. content teams, analysts. And so that was a really exciting time for me. Unfortunately, three months later, I had to come to a really tough decision. Mm. And that was whether I wanted to stick with Yelp and help build out the Yelp Wi-Fi brand or move on to Microdia, which is where I am now. So, you know, I I talked with Devin, the co-founder of Turnstile and general manager now of Yelp Wi-Fi. We had some good discussions. And at the end of the day, I felt like the best thing to help me grow professionally and personally would be to challenge myself with something that I'm not so comfortable with. Mm. I felt like, you know, at Yelp Wi-Fi, I was, you know, just doing things on a larger scale and Mm. not necessarily new things. Right. So moving on to Microdia, it's a, a decision I haven't regretted once since the day I've been here. And, uh, you know, it's why I'm here today talking with you right now. That's cool, man. It's fascinating that you went through all of this new learning. Just looking at your profile, you did study marketing in, in your undergrad. How has marketing changed? Because like, you look like you took a few courses and then 500 startups, their training just blew your mind. Like, it's like, whoa, this world exists here? Like, why didn't they teach this in undergrad, right? Like, I guess… How has marketing changed and like, you know, like what, what should they be teaching in marketing classes in undergrad? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would have thought it at the time, but there, there's actually quite a few really strong principles that I learned in university that, that still hold true to today. So, I mean, in terms of tactics, I think a lot has changed. The software these days is really advanced, whether you're doing, you know, marketing automation, there's that's come a long way. Whether you want to do the retargeting capabilities that you can now do mm. are, are much better than they used to be. And you can yeah. you know, upload your email lists and phone numbers and, and get some advertiser IDs that match with that. And then other things have changed, such as you know, with our content, it's all shifting towards video and, mm. and that's consumed a lot more. So tactically, those things have changed quite a bit. But basic principles such as you know, making sure you can measure everything that you do so that you can manage it, that hasn't changed. Making sure that 
you're trying to personalize your messaging and your communications as much as possible because we know that that'll resonate a lot more than a generic message. You know, that hasn't changed at all. And again, building a strong brand and building that emotional connection um, with your consumers or with your other businesses and partners. Uh, again, that always comes down to good storytelling. That's um, true. And so those principles haven't changed much, but the tactics have changed quite a bit. That makes sense. I think people almost repackage certain things to make it new, like the whole data-driven stuff. I know a lot of the marketers I've talked to who are much older than me, who have mentored me, they were doing it beforehand and they were like really using data to drive their decisions. And personalized, like you said, personalization is not a new thing, right? Like it's been around for a while, but it's super in now. Like even like account-based marketing and all this new cool stuff, it's just a rebranding almost. Absolutely, yeah. I, like I said, you know, data has always been there. I just mm. think that the data is a lot better these days, you nice. know, and we're not waiting for a week or a month or six months to get information back on how people feel towards a certain campaign. You're getting it much quicker. So I think the best marketers have always been data driven. Mm. Just now they can do it a lot better and there's a lot more data for them to process, which, you know, might isn't always a good thing. That's what I know? was going to say. Like, I think it brings like opportunities, but it brings a lot of I've heard somebody call it once, like it brings a lot of evil. Like they take data and they do something evil. They support something crazy. Yeah, it can be, people can use it sort of to support some pretty biased <laughs> um, arguments that they might have. Right. Uh, additionally, like you know, I would describe it as, as you can get analysis paralysis sometimes mm. where you just overthink things too right. much. And sometimes, you know, I don't like to say it and, and I don't know if, you know, my manager would like to hear it, but at the end of the day, sometimes as much as we want to all be data-driven, you do need to go with your gut sometimes. I've heard that many times too. Like it's sometimes gut is an experience and your what you've seen in the past really does add into the data to read into the data. Yeah, and I think there is, you know, like intuitively some data and some things that you pick up subconsciously that you might not know that's, that's probably feeding that gut decision. But hey, if you have the data available to you, Absolutely. You have to use that to your advantage. But sometimes, you know, I talk about this with some friends, making data-driven decisions, you know, split testing and experimenting everything. Yes, it sounds good in theory, but if you want to run proper tests, have big enough sample sizes, it costs you time, it costs you money. Yeah, and Uh, startups don't have that. Exactly. It's a a luxury. Right. So I guess my point is if you can do it, absolutely do it. But, you know, sometimes realistically, you know, you can't test everything fully. You can, you know, come up with your MVPs before you commit fully to it. But at the end of the day, you are going to have to take some leaps and and use your best judgment on some decisions. And that's particularly more so when you're just starting out. Like startups, you just launch a website, you just launch a new service. You don't have any like hard data. So sometimes gut is all you have. And that's what I wanted to get into is seems like you were the first marketing hire for, for Turnstile. You must have done something magical, or I'm not going to say magical, but you must have had done something really well to get Yelp to acquire them, right? I mean, you along with the sales team, along with the founders. What did your process look like at Turnstile? Like, what were you doing so well that got Yelp to say, hey, man, let's acquire these guys? Yeah, so… <laughs> Absolutely cannot take I know you get, for, I know you get but that. you're part it, of it. it was, you were yeah, part of it. Yeah, being part of it was amazing and, you know, completely a, a team effort. You know, we had a lot of cohesion and collaboration among 
all departments there. I think the biggest key to success really was, you know, coming from Devin and Chris as the founders and as the leaders of that company. They really did an amazing job motivating everyone to have this common goal and this common mission. But I guess, you know, specifically speaking to marketing, how we operated, really it was, you know, everything we did was performance driven and we had to have an agile mindset. So we didn't have the luxury of big budgets. Yeah. We didn't have... Like most startups, right? Yeah. So this is going to be cool. I think this is going to be really fascinating. Our investment rounds weren't in the tens of millions like some other startups. So it was really... So every time I had to go and ask for some budget, every every dollar that we spent, we would have to see a return on that dollar. So, you know, at that time, everything was performance driven and we had to show and prove a return on every dollar we spent because at the end of the day, you know, that's what dollar spent here is a dollar we can't spend somewhere else. True. So that was, I definitely don't want to say it was frustrating at the time. I think looking back on it, I really appreciate that that's how we had to do things because it created a, a lot of discipline. Mm. Speaking to your point about, you know, what had Yelp interested in acquiring Turnstile, I think them seeing our books and seeing, you know, mm. how much we were able to accomplish with the, the, the investment budget. and the resources right. that we had, I think they were really impressed with how we managed to, to get as big as we were with those rather limited resources. And I know at the time they were, they were likely evaluating some of our competitors and so I think being having to take ownership and being accountable for every decision that we made and every dollar we spent was really what helped us succeed and get that recognition and eventual acquisition by Yelp. That makes sense. It's like making sure that there's a return on your ad spend or whatever you're spending on your marketing. So now you have a budget, you have like a parameters, like you need to get return on this, this money. What did you do next with that money? Like what's your next step as head of marketing? Yeah, so if we're going back to Turnstile slash Yelp Wi-Fi as an example, I think after the investment, well, I think from day one, we always did have the attitude that, you know, we can't rule anything out until we test it. And that's sort of how we always operated. Nice. And that's really good. Everyone really had an open mindset and wanted to thoroughly test things before ruling them out. And, and then just participating in the 500 Startups program really enforced that. So what that meant was we would implement uh, some rapid fire testing or yeah. smoke testing. And basically the, the idea behind that is in business, in marketing, you're going to fail more often than you succeed. Right, yeah. And so an example of that is, you know, 95% of your website visitors aren't going to convert. Yeah. You know, nine out of 10 of your leads won't turn into an opportunity. Mm. Half of those opportunities won't turn into closed deal. You know, which a lot of sales guy and founders don't want. They don't want to hear that. Exactly. You know, and, and, and <laughs> right. you know, for for someone who is you know allocating budgets for marketing departments, they want to they want to know what campaign you're running right. and how much it's going to bring back. But you know that can create a lot of unnecessary stress. You know, it's not to say the stress isn't there, right? <laughs> um, and the pressure, but basically knowing that you're going to fail and fail might be a, a strong word, maybe just knowing the, the probabilities of things. Right. That makes um, sense. And going in, having that mindset going into your, you know, before you even launch your campaigns is really important because it's a natural part of business. That's why there's an MVP. That's why you don't fully commit to something before you, before you just go and build it out. So having the rapid fire process, a rapid fire testing sort of mindset is really just Making sure that you're not biased towards mm. any particular campaigns, having that open mind, 
And knowing that you're going to fail, but the whole point is so that you can fail fast and fail cheaply. Mm, right. um, if you can do that, then you're going to be able to have those bigger wins and scale them up and then go in and run a whole bunch of new experiments and, and try and move the needle on some other things. That makes sense. How many rapid fires were you running? Like, let's say like the first few months you started at Turnstile. What were like the tests that you initially launched as a rapid test fire? Like you're probably trying to figure out like a, a channel to acquire potential new leads. Yeah. So I think it was probably a bit of a slower start when I first started there. I don't want to keep going back to the example, but I think it's the most relevant. What we did after we worked with the mentors at 500 Startups was we put together a just an internal growth team where it was a few people nice. from okay. different departments. And we would meet on a weekly basis and we would come up with three experiments that we would mm. run for the week. Cool. Um, three rapid fire tests. Actually, that's another good point. Rapid fire testing doesn't just apply to marketing or yeah, to growth. Right. It's really in all areas of the business. You know, if you think of direct sales, okay, what are some radically different email templates or sequences mm. we can try out with our prospects? Maybe let's try out personalized video one week and see if our response rate or engagement spikes compared to the way we're typically doing things. Um, even moving that example onto customer success, you know, how can we make our customers engage with our platform more often, mm. which in theory will make them churn less. So we'd have a spreadsheet of ideas and we'd use something called the ICE score, or yeah. the ICE rating. Yeah, by Sean Ellis. Right? Yeah, yeah, Sean Ellis. Right. So impact. Yeah, impact, clarity or something and like costs. Cost and ease. It was cost and ease. Impact, cost, cost and ease. Yeah. 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 I heard somebody else. It's funny enough, like the head of growth at Tilt, he used to be head of growth at Tilt and now he's head of growth at Hubba, Kent. He was just talking about exactly the same thing, how he used the ice. I think he got this from 500 startups yeah. as well or somewhere. Yeah. Who was in that like meeting? Like it was you, your marketing, somebody from product, I'm guessing. And who else was in that room with yeah, you? So basically- Basically what it was, was they invested in eight companies in Toronto. Flixel was one of them. CareGuide was one of them. And there was a, a few others. And nice. they rented out, or they had space in the Ryerson Digital Media Zone. Yeah. And so the, a representative from each of the companies would go to Ryerson for half a day or a day for about a, a month. Of course, we had to juggle our other work and day-to-day tasks. But that's where we would go and they'd fly in specific experts for a week. Nice. And then we could set office hours with them. So for the most part, it would be myself, but there would off, like often be talks that were specific to sales. So myself and uh, our head of sales would go down together or I'd stay at the office. He'd go and represent the company because it was stuff that was more applicable to him nice. and not yeah. necessarily for myself. How about for the growth experiments itself, the growth meetings you said there was like several people in the room itself. Yeah, yeah. so, sorry, yeah, that's what you're referring to. Um, yeah, it was all, <laughs> no, it was also interesting hearing about CareGuide and how that worked out yeah. in Flixel. So, in the, so yeah, with a little growth team that we set up internally, myself, our head of sales, the fellow who led up our BDR department, and product. And then also we had our head of finance join that as well. Cool. Yeah. And again, we finance. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, well, well he's <laughs> like he's the guy. who's like, no, you can't spend money on that. Exactly. <laughs> he he joined the first two meetings, and then he, he was like, and then he stopped. <laughs> That's so sad. I think finance 
I think it's it'll be interesting for finance people to see that whole process as well. So you came up with experiments. How did you set up your rapid fire test? Like you picked metrics. Like how did you figure out which once you've ranked them by the ICE metrics a model that Sean Ellis has? How did you run the experiments next? Yeah. So the way we'd set them up, it would be you know start off beforehand with you know what our baseline metric is, whatever that is. So website, what's your conversion rate right now? What the goal is? So what's going to deem success? What's going to deem uh, failure? I guess. And then the expected duration. So you set all that up beforehand so that you don't, you know, you start going into it and then you change the numbers to skew in your favor. And then you go to it. We'd break and we'd meet. I can't remember if we did weekly or biweekly, but um, we'd meet the following week, put our numbers in and then sort of say, is this, you know, if we come close but not hit that goal, we say, okay, is there something we can tweak or improve on this to, to help with this experiment? Or should we move on to something else that might have a higher impact? Nice. That makes sense. This is starting to sound very familiar to a process that Brian Balfour, he's like VP of Gold at HubSpot used to run. Like it's really interesting how it seemed like the whole energy of your growth team at Turnstile before it really shifted when 500 startups came in and almost like redefined it for you, would you say? Is that, that's, that's what I'm starting to hear. I don't know if it would redefine. I think if anything, it gave us more confidence that what we were doing this whole time, we were on... The right track, more or less, because I think we kind of had a, you know, and it's not like it was brand new stuff to us. You know, all of us, we're all like young, eager people. We're always trying to <laughs> trying to figure out the best way to do things. Right. So I think we came across some of these strategies and plans earlier, but we didn't really have anyone guiding us saying that you're doing it right or wrong. Uh, and I think if anything, it, it gave us a, a bit more confidence to you know continue doing what you're doing, continue to have an open mind, but also make sure that you're able to track and measure everything that you're doing. Nice. And it gave us a little bit more of a framework and a structure uh, to continue that sort of ethos that we had. And that framework is what we just discussed, that whole thing. Now, and you, you already had that framework. Oh, no, 500 stars provided that framework. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, we didn't have, yeah, it provided that more of that structure. It's almost like we were doing it, but we didn't know what to call it before. Yeah, <laughs> it was like impromptu, right? Like, oh, yeah. I think we should improve this and then let's chat about it. Absolutely, yeah. And now it's more systemized. Like exactly. Like doing it every week, every other week, trying to figure things out. Exactly. Now, there must have been one like particular experiment or a set of experiments that really like, wow, that was a great win. Not necessarily moving a needle, but it was like, wow, that was a great learning. I didn't even know that. Is there anything that particularly stood out for you when you guys were doing those experiments? Yeah, so I think it's important to to highlight that. And you did allude to that slightly that, you know, with this rapid fire testing, with growth marketing, I think often people get the impression that, you know, there's like one sneaky little hack that you can do. And then all of a sudden your business is like 10x its growth overnight. And that's, you know, people always exaggerate these case studies and these stories. And that's really not the case. So myself, who's always been in B2B, I'm referring to B2B more specifically. Because in B2B, you have, you know, a lot of stakeholders that you need to sell to. It's not one decision maker. And the sales process isn't, you know, it's not a impromptu, you know, like impulse buy yeah. uh, that these people are making. It's they need to get buy-in from other people in the organization that are using your tool. So, so yeah, in terms of, you know, a, a pretty successful test that we ran was 
it was before like the lead magnet type of ads were really popular. You know, nowadays everybody has yeah. uh, download this white paper, download this guide, this template. But before those were really popular, I think we experimented with them previously, but we put a bit more effort into creating your typical ultimate guide to restaurant marketing. Cool. Uh, everybody right. has an ultimate guide to something right. <laughs> these days. <laughs> uh, but we put it out there and what we saw was we got a lot of really good early stage results from that. Uh, and we were able to capture leads in the top of our funnel for about a quarter of the price than some of our previous campaigns. And so that was sort of, of course, what we were hoping for. But we probably ran five or six other campaigns alongside of that that weren't as successful. But, you know, going into it, knowing that not everything's going to be a win is really important. And again, I don't want to, I want to go back to, I kept using the word failure. It's all your campaigns might be successful, but there's going to be one that's Mm, a lot more successful than the others. So at the end of the day, if you want to spend, you know, if you can get $5 back for every dollar you put in, wouldn't you prefer that over getting $2 back for every dollar yeah. you put in? So yeah, everything might work, but some things are always going to work better than others. You were talking about five other variation. What did those other like variation look like in terms of like… Yeah, I think, like- I think one of them was direct. It was more of a, an aggressive call to action, you know, mm-hmm. rather than getting people in the top of our funnel by getting them to download a PDF. It was more like, you know, sign up for this free trial right. or sign up for a demo. We're a new product category within the market, more or less. And so, you know, to get people, you can't sell to an uneducated market. So Mm. going after using those more aggressive call to actions really didn't work because people didn't know what the hell we were even. (laughs) even Yeah, exactly. So there was, you know, more of a, an education and a, a nurture process that was needed before we can, you know, a free trial is great, but not if they don't know what it's for. That's true. Um, <laughs> what is Wi-Fi marketing? Now, yeah. now that term is becoming a little more familiar yeah. among restaurant owners and brick-and-mortar retailers. But yeah, so that didn't work. We tried some other things where it was, you know, doing, you know, almost on the opposite side where we were just doing sponsored content, trying to get people to our site to build a retargeting audience and then, and then retarget them with more of a middle-of-the-funnel offer. Again, that was almost... Too high level. So yeah. the lead magnet type of campaign, it was sort of a good in between where, you know, we know that people that are downloading a, a guide to restaurant marketing, they're probably going to be in the restaurant mm. business. They're probably going to be a business owner right. or a marketer if they're even downloading this asset. Okay. From there, we know that they've probably got some intent or actually some need for our solution, whether they know it or not at the time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It is a really great experiment to hear. And then Yelp came and acquired Turnstile after, maybe not after that, but like at some point. And now you're working at Marcadia. What do you do at Marcadia? Yeah, so I head up the marketing program here. I'm the digital marketing manager. And so what we're looking to do really is blow the space up a lot more. So Microdia is an established company. We've been around for 20 plus years. But, you know, the trucking and the transportation industry is is pretty traditional. It's, It's a lot of people running the company that... You know, was passed down from their father and their father's <laughs> father passed that down to them. So they do things very old school, yeah. more or less. And we're just really trying to jump on that whole, well, not jump on it. We're, we're trying to be the thought leaders in the trucking and transportation industry to really push forward the digital transformation movement. And it's really a good and exciting time for us because right now the millennials are starting to take over the business. They recognize the benefits and the additional value from automating processes and from using 
you know, converting all your traditional hard copy documents into digital formats. So and that's exciting. And yeah, next year should be exciting too. We've got some, a really talented product team that is working on a, a few new things that, that we're looking to release at some point next year. Awesome, man. I know I'm taking up your time too much. I know it's getting dark <laughs> out here in Toronto. It's, it's always winter, man. <laughs> it's just a final question. What kind of tips would you give to people who want to get into growth or tech marketing? Maybe they're in university right now or maybe they're in a different field. They're sales or they're in product and they want to, hey, I want to do growth. What would be some of your tips to them? Yeah, so I think the advice I'd give to them would be the same advice that I'd give to anyone trying to get into any specialty, not necessarily growth marketing. And that's surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm. Um, you know, still diverse, but maybe not like-minded, but people with the same interests of you. So, you know, get yourself some mentors or a mentor that is going to really help you totally engulf yourself into the the mindset of this specific area of expertise that you're looking to acquire. And that doesn't mean just going to a, a meetup once a month uh, <laughs> yeah. or, or a networking event right. and, and watching a presentation and yeah. then going home and saying, oh yeah, yeah I'm like, good. I did it. That was I'm amazing. Good. Yeah. But, you know, find a partner, find a friend, find a mentor and start a project with them. So start a blog, start a video oh. blog, start a podcast like what, <laughs> <laughs> like what you're doing or even Better start a business, start an e-commerce business. Yeah, that's good. Uh, get a side hustle going yeah. because that will, you know, it's going to force like you it. to go through those challenges and uh, figure things out as you go. And, and like I said before, failure is going to be a part of it. Like so it. get comfortable yeah. with that and get ready to face those challenges head on. That's so good. I think talk is cheap and your advice, build something and try, right? Try because you said failures is part of the growing process and you learn best from your failures. Right? Absolutely. All right, Bennett, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I just want to wrap up. Thank you again. Thank you. That was All great. Right. Hey, thanks for listening in on this episode. One of the quotes that I love that Bennett said is, you need to fail fast and fail cheaply. If you can do that, then you can have bigger wins and scale them up. Now, if you want to get the high-level outline and quotes from this episode, you can just go to growthmarketing.today forward slash 011. That's 011. Now, if you liked it, Subscribe to this show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to follow along, you can sign up for our Insider Club community at growthmarketing.today to get the latest news, giveaways, and join our members-only Slack community. Now, if you have any feedback or questions, just send me a short email at ramley at growthmarketing.today. Next week is the first week of this new year 2018 i chat with rockham fard founder at psychologycompass.com you got to check that out it's going to be good other than that this is ramley from growthmarketing.today and don't stop growing